I said, I just feel like something good is on its way. And, uh, and it could be this very day. I don't know. I don't know what you're expecting is, uh, but, but it has to be some expectancy. There has to be some expectancy. I come every time I come to the house of the Lord, I'm expecting him to do something. In me specifically, but in all of us, right? If you came and you leave the same way you came, uh, you missed something. Jesus is here. I said, the Lord is passing by, and he wants to touch you and bless you and heal you. At the end of this service, we're going to have a miracle service. We're going to have God come and meet us, and we're going to have prayer partners to pray with you. If you need a miracle, I mean, today could be your very day. You say, Pastor, it's just a regular old Sunday. I mean, no, there's no such thing as a regular old Sunday. Anytime the Lord shows up, anything can happen. And I want to talk to you about expectant faith. And I hope, and I hope that even this little short sermon message in our routine, praise the Lord. Are you okay? Lord, is that you? Some stirring in the waters over in the back. Even in this quick message, uh, a message that the Lord just got, uh, given us, uh, we felt led to go through the book of Acts, and we are in the book of Acts. Chapter 1, we did chapter 2, today's chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, 1 through 11. We know there's more verses, but we want you to see. We want you to see what's happening in Acts chapter 3. And, uh, and, uh, and it might dip into chapter 4 because it's an incredible story. It's a credible story. Now, Peter and John went up together. Somebody shout together. Uh, last week, we talked about the power of we. There is power in being in unity. I mean, even in the book of Acts chapter 2, they were together in one mind and one accord. They had one mind. They had one mind. They, had, they wanted the same thing. And at Oak Grove, we want the same thing. We want the Lord here. We want his presence. Can I tell you? Church without the presence of the Lord is just another meeting. We need his presence. We don't just want his presence. We need the Lord. So uh, I want you to get the, I want to get the timeline real good here. Okay. The Lord has ascended. The power of God came down last chapter, chapter two. Peter stood up, preached, and, um, and 3,000 got saved. Uh, chapter three, Peter and John, Peter and John, you see them together a lot. They went to the temple at the night, at the hour of prayer, in the ninth hour, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. He was carried there. Couldn't get there on his own. Whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Couldn't get to the temple or in the temple. He could only get close to the temple. I mean, no, there's a whole world out there. Can't come in. The temple won't let them come in. People, they are, they are not allowed, unclean. Who's seeing Peter and John? This, this beggar saw Peter and John about to go into the temple. So he interrupted their daily routine. I mean, no, God wants to interrupt our daily routine. He wants to interrupt our service. He wants to do something in here right now. And he, and he interrupted them and, uh, and Peter fastening his eyes upon him and with John, both of these guys said, look on us. It's not arrogance. It's not pride. It's confidence in the strong name of Jesus. These two guys just came out of the upper room experience. 
Can I tell you, anything can happen when you get full of the Holy Ghost. I mean, you walk in in that kind of power, that kind of anointing, that kind of supernatural power, uh, believing in the strong name of Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They saw Jesus. They were with Jesus. And they believed he was alive. Now they believed everything he said. And God is supernaturally anointing them. And they're walking together. Fasten his eyes upon uh, him with John and, and said, look on us. And he gave heed. Verse 5 is very key. The beggar gave heed. Week after week, people walk into church and they don't give time, attention, or heed. Really, they're just making the motion. They're in the routine. They check the box. I made it. I'm here. I'll be gone. It'll be over in a few minutes. I mean, oh, you gotta, you've gotta give the Lord your attention. In this case, the Lord's representation is Peter and John, right? And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. What do you think it was? Alms, alms, money, generosity. He asked for alms and he's going to get legs. Can somebody shout amen? Okay, you didn't get it, but I'm going to keep going anyway. <laughs> then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I gave, I gave everything away. Remember Acts chapter 2? They had all things in common. They gave all their stuff away. They sold their land, and Barnabas sold his land. And I mean, they were, they were really meeting the need of the body. So I don't have any money. But such as I have, I give to you. In, say it with me, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Could you shout it again? Rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand, by the right hand, and lifted him up. And immediately, immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up, leaping up, stood and walked. Folks, for the first time in his life, this man's crippled from birth. We'll get into it. But he leaped and he walked, stood up and entered the temple with them. For the first time in his life, he went to church. Somebody might be here today. First time you've ever been to church. Well, welcome. This is a church where the presence of the Lord is. Where the name of Jesus is glorified and lifted up. Powerful name. We're not just singing it. We're not preaching it, making it up. I mean, oh, he really is alive. Jesus really is alive and we believe it. You don't have to wait a few weeks till Easter. I mean, oh, he's alive this morning. And he walked into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now listen, to the degree of your miracle comes to the degree of your praise. Maybe you don't have, God didn't ever do nothing for you. So maybe your little shout, your little shout is, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Oh, praise you, Jesus. I mean, oh, if you've never walked and you start walking in the name of Jesus, I mean, oh, your shout will get a little bit louder. You will be ready to be leaping and jumping like a little kid almost. His feet have never touched the ground. He's been carried everywhere. And now he's leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Oh, that's big. And they knew it was this man. He's no stranger to the gate called Beautiful. Jesus passed by this guy before, I'm sure. 
Instead of doing a miracle, he probably saved it. He's, he's looking at his foreknowledge and saying, I got something for my boys. I'm going to leave a little bit here, a little crumb here for y'all to get involved. <laughs> and so I believe the Lord could have healed him many a times. How about you? So we don't know why the sovereign Lord does what he's doing all the time. But God has the prerogative to do what he wants, when he wants, where he wants, to whom he wants, how he wants. Amen? And, uh, and so they knew it was this guy that sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened to him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John. Look, look at that. He didn't, he didn't want to let them go. I mean, when you get something precious, you don't want to let it go. Ooh, who, is, who, who are these guys? It's kind of like when Jesus did miracles. Jesus said, who is this man that the waves and the seas would obey? Who is this man? And they followed him everywhere. So he sensed the power of God in, in Peter and John, and he held on to them, clave to them. I don't know about you, but I like to be around God, spirit-filled people. I like to be around positive people who have faith. Amen? And so, as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. How many believe God wants to interrupt your daily routine? I'm going to preach it real quick, and I'm going to let you get in these altars, because how many know it's in the altar where God does his business? And if you respond, if you heed to him, heed the word, heed the spirit, heed the voice of God, heed the word of God, how many know he will meet you where you are? Jesus is a friend of a wounded heart. Can somebody say amen to that? Peter and John going together. These guys hadn't always been together, you know. James and John. It was always Peter and James and John in the sailboat. Peter and James and John in the sailboat. You need to get out a little bit more. Or at least go down to children's church once in your lifetime. These three, he called 12. Out of the 12, he had three, Peter, James, and John, who had expectant faith. I don't know. They, he took them. They, they were willing to believe. They were willing to go a little further. They were willing to, willing to believe a little more. They were a little bit... Uh, ready to go a little bit deeper. So he said, hey, you three, come with me. So they were even more in the inner circle with Jesus. And then John, and then John, who was once a brother James, who was the sons of Zebedee. These guys were not always together. No, remember at the upper room, they were talking about who's going to be the greatest. And Peter, he's big and loud and boisterous. And John has a different personality. And they didn't always, I'm sure John didn't want to be around Loud mouth Peter, and Peter didn't want to be around deadbeat John. How many know that happens in church? But aren't you glad God can help us get past our personalities? How many know if we're going to see God do a miracle, we're going to have to get past our personalities and get this thing together? So they were going to the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So there was no more sacrifice, you understand, because the last sacrifice was made just 50 days, 60 days earlier. So I don't know. I know it was 50 days in chapter 2. It's 50 days. Is everybody with me? Pente, meaning Pentecost. It's 50 days after the resurrection. So it's 40 days Jesus was here. 10 days after the ascension, they were in the upper room. They prayed. The Spirit came down. So we know it was 50 days right there. So it could be 60 days. It could be 10 days. I don't know how many days between the routine of, of Peter and John and the, and the apostles going to 
the temple. So they're all Jews, remember? I said the Spirit poured out on the Jews. They're in Jerusalem. The church just started. They're still all Jewish. Is anybody hearing me today? So the Jewish routine was go to the temple, but but they went at the ninth hour because there's no reason to make a sacrifice. I mean, no, Jesus was the last sacrifice. So they didn't do that anymore because they're born again. I said, once you believe Jesus died for the sins of the world, you don't need to make another sacrifice. He died for all people who would receive him. Amen? And so they did go at the ninth hour, which was three in the afternoon. And on the way, now listen, people were going to the temple. Remember how many got saved in Acts chapter 2? 3,000. So all these people are going to the temple to pray, three in the afternoon. And on the way, on the way, and can you imagine, I just want you to get the setting right here. It's just a regular routine day, but God's going to bring out a divine display. They're going to the temple, and they meet Peter and John. They meet up with Peter and John on the way. So the man, the beggar, was born. They say he's about 40 years old. You'll find that out later in the book of Acts. He's 40 years old. He was born lame, crippled, never walked, ever walked. Some birth defect of some sort helped uh, left this man in this kind of condition. I don't have time to preach it, but how many know that this whole world has been left with a birth defect? It's called sin. And there's a a bunch of people that can't get to the house of the Lord. Some of them don't feel worthy to come into the temple because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But how many know God wants to put you into an encounter with somebody whose spirit is crippled? Who can get close to the temple, but they can't get into the temple. And there's people all around the blocks, everywhere, looking to get in, but they can't. In fact, this guy is so helpless, and Dr. Luke is trying to help us see how how bad uh, the situation is. It's absolutely hopeless. He couldn't even get himself to the gate. His friends and family, much like the guy that uh, we, you and I were talking about this morning, who lowered through the roof. Remember that? His friends brought him and brought him through the roof. And how many know Jesus did a miracle that day too? And the religious leaders got mad that day too. And they preached that day too, right? So this is happening. It's a regular routine occurrence. Jesus is gone. Now it's time for these two boys to see if they really believe in the power of Jesus. There's a lot of people at church. Some are inside, some are outside, wishing they could be inside. But this beggar is no dummy, and he wasn't the only one. Thousands of people are converging into the city, into the gate, and they run into Peter and John. He's expecting to get money. He went there for a purpose to get money. And uh, and and listen, any Jew, it's all Jews right now. Everybody still with that? Any Jew thought that giving alms or giving gifts to a beggar would be a righteous act. So this is no dummy. Just because your legs are crippled don't mean your brain is crippled. So he goes to the place where it would be a very opportune place. And they set him there every day. Every day. And these boys possibly passed him. Jesus, like I said, possibly passed him. He's sitting there. But on this day, how many know... Every day, God has a plan for your life. And if you'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, though, how many believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something during your regular routine? Two by two, these go together. 
always. Uh, and now they run into this lame man being carried. And they must realize <laughs> there are still Jews and, 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 and God is wanting to do something, start the church in a powerful fashion. And, and so the point that these two men came together is, is powerful. And, and, they're, and they're, they're about to see something amazing. So now they have, they have this display coming to them, but they have two realities. They have the man's reality and then God's revelation. There is that which is real. I mean, no, there, this man was really, really crippled. We can't deny the depravity of man. We can't deny the brokenness of humanity. How I many know oh, they're all around us? Some of them are broken in this house today. I mean, oh, just because you go to church don't mean you came to Christ. And we've duped a lot of people. We've tricked a lot of people. Say you come in the house, that means you're born again. I mean, oh, to be born again means to heed to the Lord. It means to, to bow your knee to Jesus. Make him your savior. Doesn't mean going to church. Going to church does not make you born again. You have to give your life to Jesus. You have to give your life to Jesus. That's what Nicodemus learned from Jesus himself. You must be born again. So this guy was expecting money, but he's about to get way more than that. He's about to get way more than that. So there is a degree. I want to stop right here because there is a degree of expecting faith here. You're going to get what you expect. If, you, if all you think you need is money, can I tell you, we have a whole culture of filled with people who are expecting just a hand out, but, but Peter's about to give him a hand up. He's expecting a gift monetarily, money. Peter said, I don't have none of that. I can't help you. And there's a whole world out there that is really content to live in the same condition they're wanting. They want the church to coddle them and cuddle them. They don't want the church to convict them and transform them. How I many know oh, that is a trick of the enemy? Only the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit can break that bondage. We've been selling a bill of goods to a whole culture, telling them, you just come in here, we'll give you a brand new bike, we'll pay your bills, we'll do that. How I many know oh, you can do that till the cows come home? It's not going to heal their broken soul. And it just it just boggles my mind. And 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 listen, a lot of people have real needs, but there are some people out there they can go to work and they can do something. They just choose to stay in the condition they're in. And so we're living in a very uh, a culture that's very um, give me, give me, give me. And so the real encounter here is it can happen. It happens suddenly. I mean, oh, that's what happens in the miracle. It's supernatural. It always does this. And how I many oh, prayer is the prerequisite. They're on their way to prayer. They've been praying. They continued in prayer. Steadfastly, we found out in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 49. They, steadfastly, they continued in prayer and breaking of bread, house to house, discipleship in the word, believing, praying, talking about Jesus. I don't know about you, but I love to talk about Jesus. I love to bring up his name. I love to tell the story of how powerful he is and how alive he is. And he wants the church to be alive. And he wants the church to tell everybody everywhere. So there's four things, uh, real quickly. I don't have it in my notes, I don't think. But the four things that, that deal with a supernatural miracle, always, four characteristics. Number one, they're sovereign. Number one, they're sovereign. How many know God does whatever God wants to, whenever God wants to? Sovereign God. And on this day, this man's reality is about to change. 
But he had to heed. I mean, there has to be some reception. There has to be, there has to be a receptivity. There has to be a desire. He had to connect the dots. Peter had to change his mind. Hey, hey, Peter, Peter said, hey, look on us. Look up here, buddy. In Spanish, uh, Lupita, in Spanish, mira, mira, mira aquí. Look up here, right? I know my friend's uh, Spanish friend growing up. His mama say, Fabian, mira, mira, look up here. You know, the mom, it's a Spanish mama saying, look, look at me when I'm talking to you, boy. That's what a mama does, right? Look me in the eye. In other words, give me your attention. Look up here. It's nothing to do with me. But Peter is about, this man don't know what he's about to get. At this stage in the game, it's not the man's faith. Something's going on inside of Peter. Peter and John have faith. And, and they walk by this guy every day. But this day, they had expected faith. Something stirred up, a miracle, a gift of faith, whatever you want to say. They said, look up here. Look here. Gaze intently in my eyes, he's saying. The Hebrew word. You don't care what the Hebrew word says, but that's what it means. Look straight way up here. Look here. I don't have any money for you. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Say, son, you say, hey, hey, son, I'm sorry that you've been a beggar all your life, crippled and broken. I'm sorry somebody had to carry you. What an ironic picture here. You got a beautiful gate and a broken man, a broken man sitting at a beautiful gate. They say that gate is, some scholars believe, the eastern gate the eastern gate when the sun comes up in the east in jerusalem in israel it shines it's covered and layered with gold and silver it's just brilliant brilliant as it enters into the glory of god and the temple of god hear this broken man sitting there every day hopeless nobody can help him he can't help himself and here comes two guys lame from his birth but how many know (laughs) <laughs> that that sovereign God is ready. And then there's supernatural. And, and then there's the suddenly. How many know uh, most of the time miracles happen suddenly? This man's sitting there every day, and all of a sudden this day, boom, just like that, boom. In five seconds, hey, look at me. I don't have any money. Here you go. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, and the man is healed just like that. Immediately. And that might not move you because you're all healthy and everything. But if you never walked a day in your life, If you were broken, isolated from the house of God, the people of God, the power of God, the presence of God, couldn't help yourself psychologically, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you were an outcast. Not even welcome to the temple. But Peter and John that day, they had faith. How many know God gives to every one of us a measure of faith? And I think they come out of the upper room filled with anointing and power and and, and, and just believing that what Jesus did and when Jesus said to them, and greater work shall you do if you'll go in my name with my authority and my power. And that same anointing that Peter had when he stood up and preached, men of, men of Israel, this is not drunken people. This is that, right? And, and, and by the way, this is Jesus. Who, who, who resurrected and sent us the power of the Holy Spirit so we can go out and reach the entire world. I believe they believed it. Twelve people. So twelve got together. Three, three of them really believed it. One of them really got close. 
He was the only one there when Jesus was on the cross, John. But you see Peter and John run to the tomb together. Remember that? In the upper room together, talking in tongues together. I mean, it's something about being together with somebody else. It increases your faith. The power of agreement. Look at us. Look at us. It's the situation. I, 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 just, I just want you to catch this because we're, there's a serious birth effect. There's a serious birth effect in our culture. And, and this is the first miracle, right, in the New Testament after, after the church, right, the apostles' first miracle. This layman is healed. Miraculous. By the power of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, by the authority of that name. And Peter's going to preach in just a minute, and he's going to explain it. I'm just going to tell you what Peter preached. I don't have to preach it. He already preached it. But what happens is a miracle precedes a message. There's always a preacher. How many know without a preacher, they're not going to hear the gospel, and they're not going to be able to get saved? God's not just doing miracles just so you can have yourself a miracle. How I many know a miracle down here is a wonderful thing? It's a taste of heaven. How I many know it's a glimpse of heaven on earth? That's what a miracle is. If you have a clubbed arm and God grows out a brand new arm, how I many know that's heaven come down? It's miraculous. If you never walked in your life, all of a sudden your ankles come together and you leap up and you're jumping and yelling and screaming and running. I bet you in the courtyard. There was a little bit more emotion than what's going on right here. Say, Pastor, week after week you get excited. Well, I don't know what else to do. The Bible is alive. I said, the Bible is alive. God just did a miracle. But we're so self-centered in America. If it's not your miracle, you don't really get, oh, yay. I'm glad for you, sister. Well, if it was your kid that came off drugs, maybe you have to put a straitjacket on you. So this man was hopeless, certainly not self-sufficient at all. Couldn't even get from point A to point B. Couldn't rescue himself. No way to break out of his condition. Could be angry, could be bitter, could be resentful, could be depressed. It's a lot of things here. But sovereign God, in a supernatural way, all of a sudden, did a sufficient miracle to take care of this man. Suddenly, Peter and John found themselves in the middle of somebody else's mess. See, what God wants to do is empower the church to get involved with somebody else's mess. I mean, what good is the church if you're all just going to be healed and whole and sit around and look at each other? God didn't create us and save us and sit us together so we can look at each other, how healthy and holy we are. I mean, there's a broken world out there. Somebody needs to shout amen. There's a broken world out there. Filled with sin. It's worse than being crippled from birth. It's being crippled for eternity without God. That'll preach in a Pentecostal church. Now, what are the two spirit-empowered, tongue-talking guys to do? Well, I think the upper room led them to this broken place. It's a chance to see if the power of heaven really works. And spontaneously, they met this beggar at this beautiful gate. And God, symbolic of people who are shut out. And he could have he could have heard reports of Jesus in the past. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you watch The Chosen or the Bible series or whatever, but sometimes I know there's drama in there. But sometimes they give you an angle of it where you didn't really realize it before when you read the Bible because we don't see the timeline. Folks, we're only 
We're only about 60 days from the resurrection. It's a brand new church. Everything's happening for the first time. We're sitting 2,000-something years on the backside of it, which means our memories might have forgot. But how many know the Bible is just as real today as it was 2,000 years ago? How many believe this same Jesus can do this today in this place? It's the same name, same power, same Holy Spirit, same church of the Lord Jesus Christ, same authority. So he can do it. People should look at us. The beggars just trying to get through another day. Get some courage. He gets some confidence because he, somebody noticed him. Somebody noticed him, Taylor. Every day people pass him by. Every day. On their way to the temple, praise the Lord. Glory of God. I'm a Jew. Well, God bless you. I mean, your race is not what it's about. It's about the grace. It's not about your race. It's about the grace of Almighty God. It's not about your pious spiritual relationship or or religiosity. It's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about empowerment from the Holy Spirit that gave you power not to sit and stare, but to go and do, to believe and to confront and to encourage. And uh, all he wants is money. He had no faith for anything else. But Peter, <laughs> Peter did. He had faith. Peter's just coming out of the upper room and heading to the prayer room. This man, he didn't have nothing, but Peter said, I got something for you. To be exact, he said, silver and gold have I none. The first half means Peter's saying, that I don't have what you think you need. I could go get it. I can probably raise up in money. I can raise up an offering. I can find it. I can find money. But on me right now, I don't own it. I don't possess it. I'm so sorry. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have. Whoa, my goodness. What he's saying is, I have something. I have something you need. I own it. I possess it. And I'm about to give it to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. What does he have? He has authority. He has a name above every name. And he put it to the test. He grabs him. He reaches down. He lifts him up and he picks him up. And immediately, the rest is history. I mean, oh, God took over. All God looking for is a little expectant faith. I mean, even the faith of a mustard seed. If you could have a faith even as a little old tiny mustard seed, not even visible to the eye. You could say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and it'll be done. What? I mean, no, there's a lot of power there in your spoken word. So you can say, well, I'm a believer. How I many know your believer has to come out of your mouth? So Romans 10 says you've got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. That's how you're saved. Same thing with faith and seeing God do anything. You believe it. Peter said, I believe it. John believes it. Now you need to believe it. Get up and walk. And I don't know. Something happened between him grabbing his hand, Mark, and the guy getting all the way up. And I'm sure what's going through your mind is, what a crazy trick. What a chance. What a crazy opportunity. This guy could have just dropped down there and 
He ended up worse than he was. I mean, no, you can't get any worse than he was. I said, you can't get any worse than he was. It takes faith. And God took over. Somewhere in the middle there, God took over the reins. And he made those ankle bones. I wonder if you could possibly actually hear it. Clickety-clack, boom, boom, crank, crank, whatever. I don't know. Maybe the music came on, the hip bones connected to the... I don't know what happened in the process. I just know that man got up. And he didn't go like, okay, well, maybe we should go to the house of the Lord. <laughs> so, well, Pastor, I'm just all together. That's your problem. You need to get more together with Jesus, not yourself. This beggar was in poverty, but he meets a preacher with provision. I said, how many know when a beggar's poverty poverty meets a preacher's provision? You got yourself a miracle. <laughs> it's always a precondition. There's always a postcondition. The reality changes when the revelation comes. And then the apostles respond. He reaches out his hand, and, uh, and that's what he did. But the, but the young man, the beggar, had to have a receptive heart. He had to heed. Look on us. Look at us. Receive this. Receive this. So when he reached out, and grabbed up, that's a, that's a reach of faith. That's a reach of faith. You think the beggar wanted to stay in his, uh, I, I know there's a whole culture today, wants to stay in their condition. But how many know we got to reach down and pull them out of that? Get them out of their depression. Get them out of their poverty. Get them out of their, their mindset, their ideologies. How many know we got to get them out of it? Peter said, I'll give you an identity. You want an identity? I identify with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. People are wondering who they're going to identify with. Can I tell you, that's who you ought to identify with right there. Not as a cat, or I don't know what I am, I don't know who I am. I mean, you need to identify as a Jesus follower. One that has Jesus in your heart. Walking with faith, believing for the impossible things to happen. That's what we need the church to rise up and be. And so, in the presence of all these people, they just saw the miracle. Like a kid, he springs to new life and strength and leaps to his feet. And all the people see what brings you to a new problem. <laughs> I mean, a miracle can cause some problems. The reaction of the crowd and the courage of the preacher. So the miracle instigates a message from the preacher. Because the Sanhedrin, right, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, Caiaphas, the high priest, were all gathered. All these people were making commotion in the temple. Don't get out of hand in the temple. How I many know God wants to stir up some things? So they say, hey, what's going on over here? People are getting out of hand. What's happening here? And this man said, I was, I was crippled all my life. I was lame from birth. But, but these two guys, see, and he's holding on to him. He's clinging to him. He can't, he can't help but deny. He said, what happened? He said, uh, they prayed, they prayed me. I just, I don't know what happened. I just know that I'm healed. I mean, no, you don't need to let your theology stop you from practical victory. You can get yourself so confused that you miss the main point. This man who could not walk is now walking and leaping and praising God. 
The man who was healed of blindness could not see, but now he can see. I mean, that ought to be a lot of theology that we can pick up and learn. Peter takes him by the hand and lifts him up. I think the man looked, listened, expected to receive from them, expected faith. Jesus was always looking for people with faith. His bones twisted, useless limbs surge with power and new life. He starts shouting and praising God. This beggar. We're here to deliver beggars from disability, not coddle them. Oh, Grove, please know our our vision. Know why we exist. We're not here to grab all the beggars and all the sinners and collect them in an area and coddle them and make them convenient and give them coffee. Here you go. Stay in your poverty. Stay in your brokenness. Stay. I mean, we're here to see them transformed. I mean, the greatest miracle is a miracle of new birth. His soul. He's going to the temple, and gladly so. He wants to meet this Jesus. He's already heard about him. And so I think we've, uh, we've made a mistake. We've made a mistake in the last 20, 30 years. We've told the culture that you can have, you can, you can have whatever you want to have and do whatever you want to do, and, and you can be a Christian. And that is a lie. We lied right to them. And now we have a whole culture filled with people who think they're Christian, just as Christian as you are. And, and they're saying stuff like, I don't even need to go to church. I'm Christian. I don't need church. And, and there's nothing wrong with drinking. In fact, marijuana is legal now. I'll smoke some pot and just be a, a Jesus Christian too, just like you. How many know they are deceived? They're deceived. And what's worse than them being deceived is the preacher who told them the lie. Oh, girl, we're going to give an account to God. As a church, I'm going to give an account to God as a pastor shepherd. And I'm not going to tell Jesus that I coddled them and gave them coffee. And if they need coffee, well, goodness sakes, community coffee is the best coffee there is. Louisiana coffee, it'll make you grow hair on your head, except me. Tomorrow morning, we're having a meeting with the pastors. Or Tuesday morning, Tuesday morning. I bought a whole case of community coffee. I bet you they never come back to Oak. Grove. I'm going to give them coffee. They want coffee. I'm going to give them coffee, Brother Arnold. They're going to wish they never asked for coffee. But the, but the Savior is adequate. He has power in his name. How many believe Jesus is adequate to save and heal and all the emotion and rejoicing? It drew this crowd and he entered the temple walking, leaping, and praising. What is the impact of your shout? What's happening around your sphere of influence that is drawing a crowd? What are people noticing about you and your life transformation? I mean, do your friends? I remember when I first got saved, my friends said, are you coming out Friday night? I said, no way, I'm born again. You're what? So I'm born again, man. I'm drinking a new wine. They're like, okay, I'll take some of that. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm high on the most high. Well, I'll take some of that too. I said, you still don't understand. How many know Jesus changed my life? When Jesus gets in your heart, how many know it changes your life? And and when a miracle takes place this big, it draws a crowd. It's kind of like the prayer meeting over at Asbury. 40,000 people went to Kentucky when a few people gathered around in prayer. 
I mean, it doesn't take much to get a crowd. And so, what are you doing to attract a crowd? So, what is the impact? All the people saw him. No doubt what happened. Nothing phony. Can I tell you, it was nothing phony. Nothing was trumped up. Nothing was manufactured. Nobody made it happen. I mean, no, God did the miracle. And when, when Peter starts preaching, he said, hey, men of, men of Israel, uh, actually brothers, he knows they're Jews, so he's dealing with their Jewishness. And he said, hey, brothers, men of Israel, why in the world do you think me and John did this? You're acting like we did this in our own power. We did not do this in our power. You know how this happened? We had faith in the strong name of Jesus Christ, the one that you killed. Then he starts using Jewish phrases so that they really get it because Caiaphas and the high priest and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see, the Sadducees, they didn't even believe in the prophets. All they believed was the law, the Pentateuch. All they believed was Moses. They didn't believe in the prophets. So all the Messianic prophecies, the Sadducees and Caiaphas was one of them, the head high priest. He didn't believe in angels. He didn't believe in the supernatural. And he didn't believe in the resurrection. But they're leading the church. Can I tell you, that is a bad plight of the future of the church. If the leaders of the church don't believe in the gospel. But there were Pharisees too. And they were fair, you see. The Sadducees were sad, you see. Because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Peter started preaching, and I mean preaching. He said, you killed the creator of life. You killed the Holy One of Israel. And he starts using these phrases. You can look at it later if you have time. But it's so powerful. He says, he says uh, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. How about that for the grace of God? Can I tell you, you can still preach truth with grace and love? Hey, guys, I know you're ignorant like your forefathers were ignorant. But I want you to know something. This is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying that this Christ would suffer and be resurrected. That's the gospel. Then he said, repent then and turn to God. How many know repentance is a complete turnaround? So that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until their time comes for God to restore everything. He promised long ago through his holy prophets. Then he talks about Moses. But you understand what he's saying here? He's saying this is, this is really what happened. And, and he, just starts, he just starts laying it down pretty thick. <laughs> he said, um, you killed the Messiah. You killed the Messiah. You killed the only hope for any of us. How about that for an indictment on the church? And if we allow people to come to Jesus or call themselves a Christian by any means they want to, Chrislam, which is a, is a mixture of Christianity and Islam. Are, are y'all hearing me? I mean, no, that is, a, that, is a, that is a bad deal here. I mean, no, there's no other name. Chapter 4. So the crowd... Got the religious leaders upset. They came and the, and the preacher preaches. And, the, and then in chapter four, Caiaphas and the, and the religious leaders say, Hey, hey, by what authority? What, what, what happened here? 
In whose power and by what authority did this miracle happen? And they said, are you crazy? You think this is us? There is no other name under heaven whereby a man can be saved except the name of Jesus. And the crowd was stirred up. So were the religious leaders. The church is about to take off in a revival you've never seen before. But not without persecution. So the miracle precursor to the preacher, the message. And the message is the precursor to persecution. Preaching led to persecution. These boys are going to jail overnight. And where's the church going? When Peter and John go to jail, the church goes to the prayer meeting. Isn't that something we ended up back in the same place we started? Prayer meeting. So chapter 4 and verse 12, it's pretty powerful. Salvation is found um, in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby they might be saved. Do you see that? In verse 1 of chapter 4, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter. You know what? I'm not certain the next months or years or what, what's going to happen in our country. But it is possible. It is very, very possible. More possible than you can imagine that if you preach like this, in Jesus' name, the resurrection of the dead, and there is no other way that you could be jailed or silenced for intolerance. There already is cancel culture, right? So what's next? I'll take your tax-exempt status. I'll take you and put you in jail. You know what? Go ahead. Put me over in Greene County. My deacon works over there. Gary might give me a little bologna sandwich or something. I don't know. The man asked for money, and he got so much more. I want to ask today, as they come back to the platform, what are you asking God? I'm just wondering. The miracle always opened the door for the message. And the preaching always leads to persecution. That's it. As the crowd gathered, they drank coffee and sang Kumbaya. I don't think so. They had a laser show and gave away a bicycle. I don't think so. They preached Jesus. Not only did they preach Jesus, they preached Jesus crucified, and they did it. In chapter 6, we're going to see Stephen preaching that same way. And he preaches so much. Conviction got on them people. So they came and gnashed on him with their teeth. They bit him. They bit the preacher. I mean, there's a lot of preacher biting going on, even today. But you know what? We've got nurses and doctors in our church. They can stitch me up. I'll preach it. I'm going to preach it till the cows come home. How many know, old girl, we need to stick to the word of God and keep on preaching truth? Somebody needs to say amen and shout, oh, me, or what? So, carpe diem. Seize the day. The preacher preached. Peter preached at Pentecost. Jesus crucified, risen, and exalted. And here he says, this is done in the power of the name of Jesus. They recognize this was the lame man. They recognize it's real. He's really walking, and they were filled with wonder and filled with amazement. Would you stand with me?
I just, I just got to tell you a couple of phrases here with this. This is what Peter said. Men of Galilee, men in, uh, of Jerusalem, of Israel. Why are you so surprised? This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How many know that got him right there? It's the Israelite God. And he glorified his servant Jesus, your Messiah. But you handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate. And you wanted to release Barabbas instead of a murderer instead of the Messiah. That's what you did. You released the wrong one. But you were ignorant. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. And we're witnesses to this by faith in the name of Jesus. This man walks. It is Jesus' name and faith in that name that God has completely healed this man. And you all can plainly see today. You can see it today. Maybe you're here. I want our prayer partners.